You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Chris Manning here from Locked On Cavs, joined as always by my co-pilot, Evan Damerill. But we also have a special guest today. It's a little crossover with the Locked On Heat podcast with our friend, David Ramil. David, how's it going, buddy? That's going great. You know, life is uh, progressing and the heat is playing well. So it's a good opportunity to catch up with you guys. Uh, I know that Cleveland had started off pretty well. And I I, I know there's still the possibility of them making the playoffs. But uh, (laughs) I'm just glad to be here to talk basketball with you guys. Would you say the heat are coalescing? Yes or no? <laughs> what the hell does that even mean? Now, uh, yeah, that's uh, that was I, I funny. I, for our listeners that probably don't even know what we're talking about, Ira Winterman of the Sun Sentinel asking Jimmy Butler whether or not the Heat were coalescing at just the right time, and look, looking somewhat perplexed at the word choice, uh, and asked Ira for a rewording of that question, and he got it. So that was a pretty funny moment. Respect to Jimmy Butler for just like you know taking his chance to like actually like engage there and like just like give an answer. Like I res- I respect the the player who's like, can you just like use a word? Like I just played a lot of basketball. Like I'm tired. I don't really want to think right now. Can you just give me like a a, a dollar word instead of like the six dollar word or whatever? But uh, what we're going to talk about today, Cavs Heat obviously play on Tuesday in Miami for Cleveland. It is the end of a three game road trip to start the second half of the season. And then in the second segment, we're going to talk about where these two teams are sort of. Um, in terms of their state of the franchise, so to speak, with something uh, we've done with David before, and it's just always kind of fun to kind of compare two different organizations. And then lastly, we're going to talk about some trades because it is trade season, folks. But David, uh, for me, I just want to say the big question for me in this game more than anything is just, is Bam Adebayo going to play? Because I think if he plays, like this becomes even more difficult for Cleveland. Minutes before jumping onto the podcast, listed as questionable for tomorrow night's game. That's officially from the team. So I... I would guess that he's probably playing. Usually when the team lists them as questionable, there's almost like a 90% chance that they'll be available for the actual game, especially the day before. So unless he wakes up tomorrow with some severe soreness or tightness and it just doesn't feel quite right, uh, I feel like he's probably been held out longer than he actually needed to be. He sat out the last four games, including the game before the All-Star break against the New Orleans Pelicans. Without Zion Williamson, the, the Heat still won that game. And so I feel like he's got enough rest. Obviously, I'm not there talking to Bam directly, but my guess is that he's going to be playing against the Cavs on Tuesday. Do you think he's licking his chops at the fact that, well, no, Kevin Love's out, so there's a little bit of less of a defensive liability, but do you think he's you know going to take advantage of the fact that Jared Allen just hasn't played well the last two games? And um, I mean, it's no Andre Drummond. I know Jared Allen poses a threat, but do you really think Bam is just going to be a linchpin because Chris and I have zero faith in the Cavs in this game, but like I think this is going to be a, a, a massacre, if you will. But um, how, how do you feel about that JA? Uh, I, I kind of get the feeling that Allen's always challenged Bam to some degree. Like it's ironic, I should say that because Bam probably had his two best, most aggressive games offensively in Brooklyn. I think before the trade actually took place, and I, I want to say both DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen got their lunch taken by Adebayo in those two games when he was just very aggressive. They were missing a couple of key players due to health and safety protocols. Jimmy was out, and so Bam really took it upon himself to lead the offense in a way that he has not done at any point throughout his career. So I feel like Allen's length can be a challenge, but Adebayo has somehow managed to figure out 
how to even take advantage of Rudy Gobert on past occasions. So I, I don't I I would say that Adebayo probably has this matchup pretty well in hand. I, I don't think he licks his chops at anybody because again, that's just the the problem, if you will, with Adebayo is that he's never going to be particularly aggressive. He's just always going to find a way to contribute, make plays for others, and do everything well, which is why he's as good as he is. Like Defensively, he's always going to be a stalwart. You know he's going to shut down players one through five when he's on them directly because he's just that good. He's not your typical rim protector like Allen is, but he can still impact shots at the rim. And then offensively, he's going to make... He's probably been working on his jumper, uh, which is a great evolution for him that we've seen sporadically over the course of the season. He's stretching the floor a little bit more. He's able to obviously get past most defenders once he puts the ball down and work his way towards the rim. He doesn't have a back-to-the-basket game, so that's still the biggest weakness for Adebayo is that, that particular aspect. But other than that, he's a pretty complete player. So I, I just don't – I don't ever feel like he really looks forward to any particular matchup all that much. Maybe the Gobert one just because – I think that Gobert is particularly terrifying for most centers, especially guys like Bam that are a little undersized. But overall, I'd say that Adebayo probably keeps a pretty even keel against most players. So, David, what what interests you about this game? Because Evan and I are are covering this bad team. You're covering a a good team. Um, You made a very compelling case on your show Monday that Jimmy Butler should be, you know, in the MVP conversation like this team is on the on going the right direction. Like maybe they're not coalescing, but like they're there's something positive. Um, in terms of like what this team is and, and what this game is, like what interests you? Like is there anything that intrigues you about this Cavs team against this Miami team as you sort of understand it now? This is gonna sound insulting and maybe kind of even simplistic, but not particularly, because just I feel like with this team, and I'm not really selling it for our audience either, is that I, I just the goal is always the playoffs, and that's probably how these two teams kind of differ in their approach to the regular season. Is there's, there's always something bigger for Miami, where as opposed to like the minutia of the game to game. I would say that I'm just kind of curious to see how Cleveland responds to to taking on Miami and the challenges of Jimmy Butler, whether or not Jimmy can continue to build, you know, however flimsy a case it might be uh, for his MVP candidacy. But I, I think those are the things that kind of interest me the most. And, of course, the backcourt and seeing whether or not they just continue to shine the way they have throughout the season. No Kevin Love there. So, I mean, that's big name attraction. That's really simple. I mean, Allen hasn't been playing well. So it's kind of hard to even make a case for wanting to see how he's fit into Cleveland. I, I thought it was I thought it was moving positively. Am I mistaken there? Uh, he, had been, he had had a couple of good games where he was playing well for Cleveland. Evan, you wanna you wanna take that? Yeah, no, no, no. I was just I heard you click your tongue, and I thought you're getting ready to make a take. But yeah, no, Jared's played well for the Cavs at points. It's just been a little bit of a bumpy transition as well. I think the Cavs getting back Larry Nance and eventually Kevin Love at first was a little bit of a different thing. Like that loss to New Orleans, it was a problem in itself with Kevin being back and Larry being back for so long. And Jared has no experience playing with those two, and also. Not having Darius Garland has made it apparent that the Cavs desperately need a point guard on their roster. And um, without Matthew Delvedov as well, and trading Dante Exum to get Jared Allen, like they didn't have anybody when Darius sat against New Orleans. But he was back last night against, and we're recording this on Monday for those listening, against 
Atlanta, and yeah, the Cavs did lose, but the Cavs looked like a little bit more of a competent and coherent offense with him at the helm. So I don't know. It's going to be a little interesting for sure, but Jarrett has played well when he's played with Darius Garland. I just think adding all those additional pieces in is just a little bit too much at times for him, but maybe removing love from the equation and starting Nance naturally at the four makes things a little bit better, or hey, the Cavs threw the all-big lineup under Bickerstaff. In my, I think they were in Miami when they used it, and Larry told us on the show that they had no idea if they were doing it at the time, and Miami didn't either, so it just kind of worked. But um, I don't think we'll see that. But and to answer your question, yeah, Jarrett's played well. It's just he struggled a little bit because there's a lot of pieces being added back in because the Cavs are kind of banged up for the longest time. So is, this, is that just a state of the team right now is kind of like a, a state of chaos you know, you're you're awaiting Kevin Love for this long. You showed progress earlier in the season. You know, Bickerstaff is doing a phenomenal job overall as a coach, I'd say, from the outsider's perspective. And then all of a sudden, kind of things just go off the rail. The trade happens. Uh, you know, Drummond's getting sad, etc. I mean, it's just how do you feel like even watching this team night in, night out, and whether or not they're able to compete against teams like Miami that have bigger goals in mind. So. I, I think the Cavs like are in a position where like, I think they have pieces and guys that I think are, are good and, or will be good NBA players, right? Like I think I think Larry Nance is is quite good. Um, I think he's I think in some ways one of the more underrated players in the league. I think Jared Allen is really good. I think Sexton is really good at certain things. I think there's still growth for him in terms of like how he might get paid in the summer, but that's a whole other conversation. I own a lot of Darius Garland stock. Um, I own a lot of Isaac Okoro stock, but I think this team. I don't. I, I think JB's done mostly a pretty good job. I don't think they're particularly imaginative in terms of how they're scheming things up or how they're kind of designing things. Um, I don't think that's helped by the fact that teams don't barely get any practice time and things this year. Like I think that's that's quite difficult. But I, I think this team is not where it, it, they've talked about playoffs and and playing tournaments and things. And I, I think they're that's a, getting the a little bit ahead of themselves, so to speak. But I think this is just a team that. It's just trying to find something it can build on going into next year. I, it's not a fun way to look at it if you're a fan or, or kind of just trying to like have takes as we sort of do. But I, I just think like this team is so clearly trying to build and set some kind of foundation for what's to come next. I think getting Jared Allen is like a step into that. You know, I think uh, there, there's a lot to like, so to speak. I mean, like one of the things I really want to see in this game is just I love watching Isaac Okora play defense. I hope he defends Jimmy Butler. I just want to see that because I want to see how he handles it. I want to see how um, he, he goes, you know, at, about approaching a task like that because they've thrown a lot at him and Jimmy would be another kind of guy that he, you know, maybe hasn't seen as much of in his rookie year. But yeah, I, I think this team is just sort of, I, I think chaos is maybe like a little strong because I don't think they're as like batshit as they were like when they fired Ty Lue and then Larry Drew, they couldn't get Larry Drew to agree to a contract. So like he was the voice of the team for a little bit or whatever, but they're still, they're still learning how to walk, I think is, is a fair way to put it. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, I it's so weird. Like I, I feel covering a team and even having somewhat of a national perspective, you tend to, lack that kind of insight uh, from from you know you guys covering Cleveland and seeing their evolution and everything else like that and with Miami it just seems like they're almost perpetually looking for that next superstar or you know even last year making an unexpected finals run they've had so much success even as we talked in our previous crossover about how they've moved on from the loss of LeBron like Miami still managed to be a pretty good team and has been a pretty good team consistently during you know since the, in the seven years since his absence so it's just it's just strange to kind of see 
from the Cleveland side of things that they're still looking to to kind of take that first couple of steps. You know, they, maybe they've taken the very first step, but they just haven't been able to get progressively past that and consistently past that. So that's that's always interesting to hear. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to go into this a little more in the next segment. I think now, though, is a good time to talk to you from one of our sponsors. David, I think you're telling us about our, our friends at Rock Auto here. Well, to me, it's always so much fun to go into a, a store and try to order a part. And then the person behind the counter is looking at me like I have no idea what I'm talking about. I am not a particularly handy person when it comes to cars and things like that. So they start looking things up on their computer and it just becomes a big mess, especially nowadays when you're trying to remain as safe as possible. So why will go through all that when you've got access to computers at home or in your pocket? RockAuto.com is a family-owned business. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can choose from hundreds of manufacturers on their easy-to-use site. It's so easy to navigate. You'll get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly and safely to your door. Why spend more for the exact same parts at a chain store or even worse, at a car dealership? RockAuto.com's low prices are the same for everybody. So if you go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, you can order them quickly and then go to the section that says, how did you hear about us? And enter Locked On so they know we sent you. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. I just want to tell you about the Lockdown Bets podcast. Betting on the Cavs or the Miami Heat or the NBA at large doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team, favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. David, I... I, I it's a cliche thing, I think, among sports writer types um, that the Heat like are just sort of like well run and like the Heat culture thing can sort of be a joke. But I think the th- I think what I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I think about this in terms of Colin Sexton. Evan and I have talked about this a little bit in relation to like what differentiates. Are we talking about vibes right oh, now? No, 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 no. We're, well, we could talk. We get in the vibes. You know, D- I mean, like Dion's Dion Waiters was the ultimate vibe. I mean, Miami. vibe, vibe, vibe check. Colin Sexton liked to tweet about Kevin Love stealing $120 yeah, million like, dollars the, like, Cavs, so. Evan and I can attest that Colin's not very on social media, so like that very well could have been like his cousin wow. or, or like someone in his circle, but not 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 good either way. Extremely not good. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up to timestamp. Yeah, it's, uh, people have seen that by now, and it's, it's not what you want. Shout, shouts to Jordan Zerm for his concern trolling. I, I love it. It's such a good bit. Oh, but... I think what Miami does that I think is really interesting is it takes it gets a guy like Tyler Hero, who's obviously not who's who's become very good, but is not like a number one overall pick kind of guy. And the structure for the franchise exists, and the team has like the quote unquote culture, and, and everything falls into place, and it allows you to hit the ground running with that guy. It is not asking that guy when he's 19, 20 years old to do an astronomical amount of stuff. It's it's maybe giving him a chance to exceed expectations. But it's not like asking him to carry the weight of his world on, it, on on his shoulders. I just think like there's something that like maybe we we overthink how, like why teams aren't doing good because it's like okay like you don't even have a foundation and you're saying you're telling like a 19 year old who's still learning how to be a human much less like play basketball to do all this stuff and then Miami's like okay 
Like, we have everything sort of on lockdown. Tyler Hero's going to come in, and he's just going to, like, we're, if, if he's as good as we hope he can be, like, he can just hit the ground running. I think there's something to that. And I, I don't know... I don't know how you exactly get there except for like having multiple years of figuring it all out and, and, you know, like maybe getting lucky along the way too. But I mean, does that to David to you, is that like a fair read of, of how things kind of work in Miami, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, again, from an outsider's maybe not insultingly, but somewhat simplistically looking at it. Yeah. They, they find a way to bring players in, whether it's a young player like hero or even an older veteran, like Andre Guadala and Jay Crowder, they always seem to have a plan in place. And a big part of it, and even from talking to a guy like Solomon Hill, who's like a journeyman and everything else like that, one thing that really resonated with me when Solomon was with the team prior to the hiatus, so it was my last in-person interview before the hiatus took place in mid-March, it was just his perspective as a veteran in the NBA, how Miami's culture was a very real thing. But one of the aspects of it that gets overlooked, like everybody talks about hardworking and gritty, and certainly Jimmy's at the forefront of that alongside Pat Riley, you know, at least from an aesthetic perspective. But, you know, there's the stability of the front office that's been there since Riley took over in 1995. And the fact that even you've got ticket clerks and, and salespeople and, and business ops folks that have been there for Two decades plus, not to mention Eric Spolstra now entering his, what, 14th season, I think, as head coach. Like, that stability is just everywhere throughout this franchise. And so that's a big part of it, it, it where you don't have to ask a guy like Hero to do too much because there is that plan in place. There is a coalescence that's taken place among that front office, a cohesion that's pretty obvious. And, and so you get a guy in there. You, it starts off, I think, with the front office, that stability and everything else. And then this roster just seems to work because you have – a superstar like Jimmy Butler, which was the the difference between the past couple of seasons before that is that you were asking guys like Josh Richardson or our favorite Dion Waiters or even Goran Dragic or somebody like that to kind of take over and be the team star when they weren't ready for that role. Well, certainly Jimmy has no problems being the team star. And so with him at the top of that hierarchy, and then you bring in the right kind of talent that fit in well, a guy like Adebayo, who I said before, does everything well, and then you kind of start looking how to fill particular spots on your roster. Now, you kind of think of it as like a triangle with Jimmy at the top, and then you start kind of filling in different parts of that equation, that puzzle, whatever you want to call it. And Hero, a young shooter who's cocky, willing to take that shot. I mean, Spolster loves raving about Hero's willingness to be there in clutch situations, and we all saw it throughout the Orlando bubble. And it's just, that's how you build teams. And maybe it sounds very simplistic, but that's just... It just seems like it makes sense. It's a recipe that they've been able to implement so many times. And yeah, sure, you can scratch all that in 2010 so long as you have Dwayne Wade on the roster and you can bring in LeBron James and Chris Bosh and, and and just fill out the rest of the roster with anybody else. But, you know, they have this model in place that stability, as cliche and over-talked about as it is, it just, it really does work. And I think that's just, it's helped so many players throughout their respective points in their own careers where they just f figure out, like even if a guy like Dion who loses the weight, James Johnson losing the weight, Kelly Olynyk, you know, he's trashed by Heat fans, but he's in the best shape of his life, and he's actually a pretty legitimate player, I, in my opinion. I know a lot of Heat fans would disagree with me, but I, I, uh, I'm a big fan of Olynyk and his dedication to the culture and everything else, and I just feel like they've always they they know who they are, and that kind of identity 
remains intact uh, and and it changes and impacts everything they do. So what you're telling me is the Miami Heat could fix Andre Drummond and we should try and negotiate a trade with you to try and finesse that, some assets. That is a hell of a segue. That yeah, I love that, but yes. <laughs> absolutely. I no, I I look, I I think they went through the the stat chasing center route already with Hassan Whiteside. Ooh. I'm not sure that they exactly want to go uh, with Drummond seventh, there. Hey, seventh in PR last season, Hassan Whiteside was mentioned. I I have it etched in my brain that this was like in the in the ESPN write up. No shade, ESPN. Please hire me. But they said in the write up that it was like, hey, he's seventh in PR ahead of LeBron James, and I just like I I just like got dizzy, you know. I just yeah. got really dizzy. Your eyes rolled in 360 uh, through the back of your head. Yeah, I can imagine yes. that. Uh, yes. Look, I, I don't know. I, I'm seeing rumors now that, that Whiteside's on the radar for the Lakers. And then LeBron James. I mean, if there's anybody <laughs> in the NBA who can get Hassan to actually stay focused for more than a minute and a half, it's probably LeBron James. But other than that, I don't have a lot of hope of Whiteside ever becoming a, a solid player. Last thing, David, on this, I just want to ask you: Is there anything when you when you look at Cleveland that you're like, okay, there's something like that is being built here? Is there anything you can see from the outside that strikes you as interesting in terms of how it's being built, in terms of how they've built the last couple of years post? I don't know because it's just I, I see like they are acquiring young talent in a way that Miami never really gets that chance, like because you know they don't really care too much for draft picks, they don't hoard picks. The way other teams like Cleveland, like Minnesota, and other teams that are you know struggling in the rank in the in the rankings are, yeah. and so you, I look at this acquiring all this young talent like Okoro, like Sexton, like Garland, and it's just does it ever seem to take the next step? And and so much of that is banking on that having that star there, having that coach there that is going to be able to provide that stability and next step. And I, I I hate to kind of bring it back to Miami and their success, but that's just where I'm at. I, I feel like, look, I, I, I was based in Gainesville, Florida for a long time. And so I covered the magic to give me access to other NBA teams. And I saw the same thing there. It was a team that lacked an identity. And so I just... You could probably speak to it better than I would, but I just don't know what Cleveland's identity is. And it feels like we're in year, what, since LeBron left, what, three years ago? We're in year three of trying to figure out what the Cavs are. And maybe that's not that bad in comparison to what they were before or what other teams have been. Like, again, there was a seven year drought for Orlando as far as not making the playoffs. So maybe their lack of identity was much more prolonged. I just don't know what to make of this Cavs team. And I'll, I'll look, I'll. I swear 100%. I, I don't watch the Cavs as much as I probably should. I know that there's fun there. I know that there's youth. <laughs> there isn't? There's a little fun. Uh, there, there there can be, but there's also nights where you watch this team play and you're just like, what? what is – you, you just don't see an identity. You just see guys that happen to share the same court. And I, I'd also, I also think like whereas like I understand sort of what – even if I don't know every little decision-making process – like step that they take. I understand like what the ethos of the Miami organization is. I have no idea what Kobe Altman's actual like ethos is as a, as a general manager and, and leading a front office. Right. Like I sort of understand GB Bickerstaff because I find him to be like an actually a pretty engaging interview um, over zoom at the very least. But like, I don't know what the organizational structure sort of thinks about anything. Like, I don't know what their take on analytics really is. And it's hard to peg anything down and it makes it very hard to like understand what the team is actually doing and how they think about things. It makes it very tricky until like, and then when they try and like sell stuff, it's like, Hey, like 
John Beeline is like a basketball genius. And then they just try to sell things. And it's like, okay, like this isn't actually, you're trying to skip steps. It's just that that's, that to me is like probably the biggest identity is that they try to skip steps sometimes. And they're doing that a little less now, I think, in terms of like Jared Allen over Drummond and stuff. But I mean, we'll, we'll see what the offseason looks like. Like that's going to be, a, I think, an indicator to me in a lot of ways. But all right, let's go into another break here. Evan, I think you have this ad read. Why don't you tell everyone about Bet Online? Yeah, speaking of John Bayline, maybe play some bets on Indiana's next head coach with old Cavs. Brad Stevens. I'm putting all my money on Brad Stevens. Well, that's another fraudulent coach in the NBA who doesn't belong. But Bet Online, by the way, is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV like my favorite, The Bachelor in Paradise. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. Again, you can get a 50% welcome bonus using your on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on every bar. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. Guys, today's matchup um, is we're getting, it's, it's toffee almond versus mint brownie when I clicked on the bracket. So what do you guys think? Who, who is your, who's your favorite in this matchup? I got to be honest with you. I'm not a, a big mint chocolate combo guy. I, I've oh. said this before. My my wife loves it. Uh, she loves that flavor. I, I just whenever I get my my personalized built box of built bars, I just take the mint chocolate ones, throw them at her, and she takes them and squirrels them away wherever she keeps her stash of foods. Uh, so to me, I, I think the I got to go with a toffee almond. I. Uh... I'm gonna go with the mint brownie on this one, Chris. Uh, you've converted me as an OU, as you as an OU alumnus, to root for the green and black. And I don't think OU is gonna get their upset, but I think mint brownie is gonna hold on strong and get. You said you, you said yesterday they were. This is this is you're fraudulent, Evan. Um, eh, haters gonna hate. I looked at the actual bracket and looked at. I, I have not watched a lick of college basketball unless it's Oklahoma State or USC, and that's it. So yeah, and that's a, where, that's like where. a handful of Akron games, and yes. or I would just check the score when they beat OU several times this year, and oh, what could have been? Okay. But either way, right. who, who's your pick, buddy? It's built. It's it's Mint Brownie, and uh, oh, your I pick mean, the, is the Bill Bar as a whole, just just the yeah. entire product. Wow, yeah. all of it. Yeah, all of it. I'm in the. I'm I'm fully in the bag, and like really, the, whoever comes out on this side of the bracket, the coconut brownie chunk one is just waiting there to slaughter whoever gets there. That. that <laughs> That's just the fact. Like, it doesn't matter. It's like, that's the clear number one seed and everything else is just going to get crushed by uh, dog. The clear number one seed is cookies and cream. I'm saying on that side player. of the bracket. Anyway, go to builtbar.com or, or do bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code lock 15 to get 15% off your next order. That is locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. All right, last segment here in this Locked on Cavs, Locked on Heat crossover. Chris Manning, Evan Demerol, David Ramil here. David, is there business to be done between Cleveland and Miami in any way? 
I mean, I, I know my listeners would really be like, oh, Larry Nance, that's the guy. And yeah, he'd be a great fit yeah, in make, Miami. Make, make, make your best Larry Nance offer so Evan and I can dunk on it on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. I'm not even going to bother going through that exercise. I'm sorry. Like I know you guys are baiting me here. That's uh, this is the this is the sure. the road warrior bait of meme. You know that's bait. I'm not gonna take it. I'm sorry. I, I just uh, I I don't think there's any deal to be had there. Even if if even if Altman does lack any kind of clear ethos, uh, I just don't think that there's a package for Miami. And that's where they're at right now. They're in a really weird place because they've got. They've cleared cap space for this big summer that they were going to be able to acquire Giannis Antetokounmpo, and clearly that's not going to happen. Uh, Victor Oladipo is a shade of the player he once was, but, but you're still on the books with you know Jimmy and Bam. You've got Goron for at least this last season, and then he enters free agency next year again. Um, you know you've got expiring contracts, a lot of them, and Myers Leonard, uh, you know Andre Iguodala. I mean, I'm sure there's a couple other. Ivory Bradley, who just signed this, he just only signed a one-year deal. Mo Harkless. So it's nothing great. You've got a couple picks here and there, but not much because, again, Miami has lost at all those picks in various trades over the years. So there's nothing to be had there. Miami's clear weakness, and this is no secret, is at the four. They they need somebody who can stretch the floor and play versatile switch defense, similarly to what Jay Crowder provided for them last year. Cavs legend, Jay Crowder, I might add. Um, I know you tried <laughs> selling me. I, I know you tried selling me on Tory and Prince. I just don't think he fits the mold exactly like Miami would prefer. Uh, so I just I don't see that being a clear fit for for the Heat. I mean, again, Nance is the guy that fits at least from the perspective of what Miami is trying to build the best. And he, clearly, he's not available. So sorry, Evan, not taking Drummond off your hands. No, that's that's okay. As long as it doesn't mean. Larry Nance Jr. falls to the wayside. Um, yeah, I think Chris and I talked about this. That Sean Strawn first reported it. He and I have kind of heard the same thing that like the core four of Garland, Sexton, Okoro, and Allen are viewed as virtually untouchable. But Larry Nance is one of those fringe players. But it'd be remiss at Cleveland not to consider offers. And according to Cleveland.com's Chris Fedor, the Cavs were op- offered multiple first round picks, late first rounds, albeit for Larry. But no, I get it. I just don't. Th- the Cavs are kind of sloppily constructed in terms of just their salary cap and just like whether contracts are laid out and the players that are available are kind of hefty deals. Like Andre is twenty eight point seven million. I, I, the less he plays for Cleveland and the further we get from him being sent home, the more he escapes my mind. So he's kind of become an afterthought for me. So I had to look up his numbers again. But no, I get it. Miami's a team that is looking to make a move that helps them win. And I don't think the play pieces that Cleveland has available really helps him win. I mean, maybe Torian Prince. Torian Prince would be a fun piece in Miami. But yeah. other than that, I like Andre Drummond, no. Larry Nance Jr. isn't available. And like Larry Nance Jr. is a player you could copy and paste on every team in the league and you make them better. But it's just it's tricky for sure. Just just imagine the PR nightmare for the Cavs if they traded Larry Nance Jr. for like I, either Kelly Olenek or Myers Leonard in picks. <laughs> or both. <laughs> I mean. oh, dude, oh my god all right so hey we traded for a guy who used a slur on a cod stream and we traded for the guy that popped out kevin love shoulder in 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 the run in the first lebron season and we traded away the guy who generally is like i want to retire in cleveland please never trade me i will literally stay here forever for future for like some bad future picks it would be like at all time like 
PR nightmare, and you don't make trades for that. But like, like I just don't even know how you like try to like get people to go to games if you do that. You know what I mean? I, it, just be like, what are we doing here? Kind of hearing you put it out there, it kind of sounds like a Cavs type move. You're gonna be honest with you. I, I'm oh my thinking, God. I'm thinking it might actually happen now. Thank you so much. You you buoyed my spirits about the potential he, he, Nance trade. Nance would be incredible in Miami. Like that is very clear to me that him and like he so he would, good on any contender. He'd, he'd be so good in any contender. Like he would look even better than I think he does in Cleveland. But it just like the vibes would just be all all wrong. Yeah, I mean, like like versatile on defense, makes the right play, chasing after the rebounds, spot up shooter, like just bam driving to the rim and kicking it out to a wide open Larry Nance or, or you know that off ball movement with Jimmy Butler and, and Bam Adebayo and then Nance cutting in there for a thunderous dunk I like it thank you so much guys I really appreciate this you've made it happen I, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen now I'll burst your bubble a little bit. If Larry Nance is wide open on the perimeter, there's a good chance he won't take that three. He'll just pass it to another team or he'll drive. Well, Miami is like this at this weird place now where almost everybody on this roster gets within five feet of the rim. And as long as there's one open shooter somewhere in the perimeter, no matter how dangerous or difficult that pass might be, they're going to kick it out. Like Jimmy Butler even is at this weird stage where he's right there for a layup. And all of a sudden you see – Kelly Olenek open from the corner. He whips it across his body to get that corner three. And, of course, it routinely winds up in a miss. So I, I, Heat fans are plenty frustrated at passing up wide open looks. All right, David. I think one other thing just to wrap this up with Torian Prince, because Evan and I both think he would actually be kind of useful to, to some team out there. But can I just say, not, not just what you mentioned about the role not being exactly right, but he's owed like $12.2 million next season. That's another reason why Miami would not be interested. Right? Like that's just eating up cap space that they could probably spend on something else that they're like choosing to in the summer. Is that accurate? Yes, I, I don't know what their plan is because obviously without Adekunpo signing the supermax, they didn't have a clear plan B. But I don't think it's Tory and Prince. Yeah, I think what a bummer. Right. Sorry guys. Yeah, the, they got the two-time uh, MVP versus Tory and Prince. Not realistic uh, as far as filler is concerned. Yeah, I mean, you know. Torian Prince has probably been better on aggregate than Jake Crowder ever was in Cleveland. So, Jake Crowder was an all-star in Miami. Wow. Wild. That is a take. He was definitely not an all-star in Cleveland, that's for sure, because he had zero desire to be here. So did everybody on that roster. I, I, I've i said this many times. I think I said it last time I was here. The, the gloomiest situation I've ever seen in years in NBA locker rooms was a, a 9 o'clock practice session outside of Orlando where LeBron dragged that roster to some strange location and nobody wanted to be there. They were in the midst of a losing streak in that last season with Dwayne Wade there and Isaiah Thomas. Oh, God. I have, uh, yes, Cavs life or Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I've never seen anybody so – I mean, it's such a group of depressed players. And LeBron was the only one who addressed media. Everybody else wanted to get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. That was right before the trade deadline where they moved Dwayne and Crowder, everybody else. The, the most iconic – post-game media availability I've ever been at was LeBron hits the winner over Jimmy when Jimmy was on the Wolves. I remember. Uh, And then he jumps, he first jumps past Isaiah Thomas to jump into Jetty Osmond's arms. And then Isaiah in the locker room is like, I don't really want to be traded. I want to stick this out and figure things out here. And then like an hour later, like the next day or whatever, he was, he was out of there. (laughs) What a a season. What a good time. Brutal stuff. Oh, oh boy. The Cavs. What an organization. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Like that's why it's so hard sometimes. Like I always love talking to you guys because you're you've learned <laughs> to embrace it, and make it positive as much as you possibly can. You care of the team better than anybody. But 
it's just uh, it's it's tough to really wrap my mind around what the Cavaliers are doing. Yeah, it, it's it's difficult. Evan and I like honestly like we'll text throughout the day trying to figure out what's going on, and it's just like I I I don't really always know. It's sort of okay. Confusing. What what's the right like you have to break up that young core. Like even the, as you guys are talking about the oh spice. Here's the spice. You've been saving the spice this whole time. No, Here no. we go. If you break up the young core, I mean Garland or Sexton or whomever, you ha- you keep two of the that those four maybe Nance, and you acquire a superstar on the edges. Who is that guy who could take this team and give them that kind of structure that I was talking about for Miami? Cade. Cade for sure. That's to the draft. But, but, but wait a minute. Hold on a second. We're just talking the right now. Are, but the, 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 the Cavs are not getting a superstar is the thing. Like, they have to draft one. They can't trade for one. Why not? Why? Like, okay. Like, someone early in the year floated, like, they should just give up whatever and get James Harden. I'm like, he's good. like, you're not going to get investment from the player for, to be in that situation. You're just not. You think like, you think Harden is happier in Houston than he was in and that he would have been in Cleveland? Cleveland has one strip club and it's a very sad strip club. So no, James Harden I think would be two. so unhappy. There's two. Well, I'm looking it's, at no, four to an All Star week next year. So you got to you know show me oh. the <laughs> show, show me the hot spots. Chris yeah, David I, Nevin hit up Crazy Horse and record an episode. And it's just a sad episode overall because it's a cold Cleveland winter. Yeah, uh, I, I though I David, if you do end up coming, we will be eating at all the actually good Cleveland restaurants. When people complain that you know, well, the ones that survived the pandemic at least. Hey, support your local restaurant eating out, folks. Please, please, for the love of God, just wear a mask. Because let's just put it this way: if COVID didn't happen, the Cavs would still have Kevin Porter Jr. And by that <laughs> logic, if you wore a mask, COVID wouldn't have lasted over a year at this point, folks. So <sighs> you're kind of responsible for this, Ohio. And you watch him ball out in Houston, just think about that. Boy, should have worn a mask. David, I'm going to ask you, just give me a name as we get out of here. The Cavs host the All-Star game. Who is the player most likely to be an All-Star from the Cavs next season? You can't say no one. I need you to give me just a name. Kate Cunningham? <laughs> I respect it. Thank you for bringing res- that energy into yeah, the world. I, I respect it. We, we respect it. Locked on Kate Cunningham would be would be a vibe for Evan and I. It'd be a real win for us, frankly. But that's going to do it for this Lockdown Cavs Locked on Heat crossover. Uh, it's been fun, David, to chat, catch up, talk about like a good basketball team ahead of a game where the Cavs, you know, historically have never played well in Miami and uh, might get their butts kicked. But it's going to be fun. It's good to chat. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And uh, looking forward to hitting up the saddest strip club in all of America. 